the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Monday morning. We're so glad to have you join us today. I'm Gabby Smith along with Jamie and Claro. Hey, Jamie. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. A little sleepy this morning, but otherwise ready to start the week off. Is that because you stayed up late watching your Kansas City Chiefs? That's right. And there is someone who is listening that stopped me after Mass on Saturday at 4 and was like, you know what? You're going to need some help. You know who I'm talking about? He's listening right now. And I was like, well, we'll see. So... Uh, well, my goodness, but yeah, we, we were happy for a good time, and we had some family over, so it was, an, it was a nice little oh, gathering. Good, nice good. One. Well, let's hope the week mm. is, kicks <laughs> off the week, no pun intended. You know, Harrison uh, <laughs> Butker was uh, at Men of Immaculata not that long yes. ago, and uh, Father Chris Decker uh, got a chance to interview him while he was there, so it just goes to show you, you never know who you're going to meet at these conferences and uh, events that... that we participate in as well. So um, when we talk about it, you may want to get a ticket. <laughs> Most definitely. And that was a really great event seeing him. He was very tall. So uh, <laughs> before we get started off for the rest of the show today, let's, uh, you know, get our day started off with some prayer. So if you don't mind joining us in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh God, who teach us that you abide in hearts that are just and true. Grant that we may be so fashioned by your grace as to become a dwelling pleasing to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. And our saint of the day is St. Giles Mary of St. Joseph. We will learn more about St. Giles today later on in today's show. But we're starting off with Will Newell in about six minutes. He joined us last Monday to talk about the Men's Emmaus Retreat. Well, if you missed it, then you can listen again to Will because he's going to talk about his testimony and a last-minute call to men to join them on the Men's Emmaus Retreat. It's happening. Uh, it's sponsored by St. Dominic's, but it's happening over at Rosaryville in Ponchatoula, which is a beautiful retreat facility. He'll give us a little bit more details as well. Alan Migliorato joins us in 18 minutes. He's a co-author of Failing Forward, Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens Today. And every Monday, he joins us to talk about raising Catholic teens. So I got a lot of questions at the women's conference about teens and technology. And although I'm not quite there yet with my <laughs> with my son, um, of course, I'm getting ready and kind of taking mental notes on how to tackle that. So we're going to talk about teens, technology, and cell phones, what's appropriate, how much is too much. So looking forward to that conversation with Alan. In 35 minutes, Dr. Tina Holland will be joining us. She's a president of Franciscan Missionaries of Our Lady in Baton Rouge, which is Fran U University. And we're going to be talking to her about an update. And 48 minutes, Claudia McAdam joins us. She's a Catholic author. 
And she has a new book out called A Miracle for Micah. So looking forward to today's show, Damien, and looking forward to the weather. What do you have well, for us? Well, uh, today's going to be fantastic. Uh, and we are lucky for that because we've got plenty of sunshine in the forecast. High is going to be close to 70 and um, light winds, so really nothing uh, to worry about. Uh, now, tomorrow could be a different story for Valentine's Day. It is going to get warmer. High should be around 76. And uh, the skies are going to be overcast most of the day because there's rain moving in. Won't see it probably till late afternoon in most areas. Depending on where you live, 20 to 60% chance. I'll leave it at that. Uh, elsewhere, temperatures in the 40s, 30s, uh, 38 on the North Shore, 39 in Gulfport, 50 in New Orleans, and 40 in Baton Rouge. Those are your temps and your forecasts. More is coming up on a Monday morning on Wake Up. Good Monday morning to you. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 8. The Pharisees came forward and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. He sighed from the depth of his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Amen, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got into the boat again, and went off to the other shore. Thank you, Father Chris Decker, 8 after the hour on a Monday morning on Wake Up. Thank you for tuning your heart to the truth. And with us right now, Will Newell. He is Retreat Facilitator for Men's Emmaus Retreat, which is coming up in New Orleans. Good morning, Will. Hey, good morning, Damian. Thanks for having me. Hey, welcome back. Uh, so before we jump into getting your testimony uh, and uh, of what you experienced at the retreat, Let's tell everyone when and where so they can be ready for it. And if you've got a few seats open, I'm sure they're going to want to sign up. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's not this coming weekend, but next weekend. First weekend in Lent, and it starts uh, Friday at 4.30, uh, St. Dominic Church. The retreat is actually at the Rosaryville in Ponchatoula, and it ends uh, with Sunday Mass. So the 24th through 26th. And uh, to sign up, you can go on stdominicparish.com. We have an online registration now. So. Great. And they do not have to be a member of, or a parishioner of St. Dominic's, right? Uh, correct. All are welcome. All right. All are welcome. So uh, now that you're a facilitator, at one point, though, you were just like any guy who was attending. What was your experience without, you know, letting the cat out of the bag too much? <laughs> uh, yeah, it just—it just—, it just shuffled my priorities to the, to the right place, to God. I, I, you know, I, I was a Christian going in and, and had pretty good beliefs, but it, I didn't really uh, behave accordingly or have it, you know, in my heart. So it, it gave me the, the focus to, you know, live my vocation um, as, a, as a husband and, and father and to try to be the spiritual leader of the family and uh, really, you know, let God's grace flow through me. I, I, it's the most important thing, and I, and I think in today's world we just are too distracted with everything else. So it, it just really set my priorities right. Um, it was powerful, very powerful experience. It, it, it changes your attitude as well. Uh, it, it, it actually kind of creates a, a leadership quality in, in a lot of men. 
Yeah, it really does. I mean, our team, all of them have been affected in similar ways, and all the men that have gone through it that go on to, to serve in other ministries, um, it, it really just it kind of sets your heart on fire, and it it, uh, it really puts a focus on God. I mean, a lot of us are Catholics, and, and we just kind of go to Mass and go through the motions, but but this really, it, it really touches you, and it really, it, it really, you know, brings you closer to Jesus, and you really want to develop a personal relationship and and um, just grow in your faith and, and practice your faith daily. You know, um, it's it's a powerful thing. Yeah, and do you build relationships there? So those who attend for the first time, they don't necessarily have to attend with someone. Even though the road to Emmaus, there were two guys, uh, you partner up after you get there, right? Uh, so, yeah, sort of. I, I, yeah. You don't, definitely don't need to go with anyone. Um, you're going to grow close to those people very quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it really, you know, it opens you up and, and you're able to relax and, and tr- you know, trust the process and, and just go through the weekend. Um it's really somewhat comforting at the end. <laughs> so, and and you do uh, wrap up uh, with a mass, right? Yeah, we finish with uh, the evening mass at St. Dominic. So, and that'll be on Sunday at five thirty. Once again, give everybody the details and where they can go to sign up. Uh, sure, we're we're in the Clarion. We're in the bulletins. Uh, most of the bulletins in the area. We're, but we we do have an online registration now. It's at uh, stdominicparish.com. And uh, you can sign up there. If you have any questions, there's there's phone numbers for some of the, the team guys to call and, and talk to about it. Um, it is the first weekend of Lent, perfect time to go. Um, Friday the 24th through Sunday the 26th. So very good. And we're even very though, excited about it. Yeah, and even though the gospel says, you know, uh, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. I think right now, those who are listening and entertaining the thought of a good way to kick off light and grow closer to Christ, this could be one of those signs. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You know, you got to be open to that, right, Will? Definitely. Just You just have to show up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. Will Newell, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your experience with the Emmaus Retreat. And for those in New Orleans area, it's a perfect opportunity for you to uh, get your Lent started off on the right foot. And mm-hmm. uh, thank you for being with us, Will. Thanks so much for having me again. All Appreciate right. it. And, and not a different type of retreat, but, boy, a fun-loving one is uh, Advent at Sea, huh, Gabby? Yes, Advent at Sea. We're so excited about Advent at Sea. So Daily Mass and Confessions at Sea with Father Chris Decker. So it's going to be on Tuesday, December 7th, and returning on Monday, December 11th of this year. So it's a long weekend. It's a four-night Western Caribbean cruise aboard the Carnival Valor, departing from New Orleans. And uh, you can contact Susan. She is our cruise consultant. Go to ccmedia.live, and all of the information can be found on there as well. So definitely, definitely join us. We have a, a good people who are attending the event, very excited to set sail with us. So it's going to be yeah. a great time. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. A couple of cabins fun. still left, so sign up mm-hmm. uh, this week if you can. Uh, uh, the 2023 Men of Immaculata Conference is coming up. Prepare to Encounter the Lord, and that is set for February 25th. It's a Saturday at St. George Catholic Church in Baton Rouge. 
there's usually about a thousand men who will attend this event and there'll be a national uh, conference that draws people from all over speakers this year uh, peter burak of renewal ministries former navy seal officer and co-founder of frasati company sam blair boy what an interesting Mm -hmm. guy he is Mm -hmm. Chef John Foles is going to be preparing lunch. He usually gives a small talk. Also, Father Jeff Bayhe is going to be there to do a talk. And there's going to be some other keynote speakers. So if you want to sign up, you can. It's $75 for adults, $45 for students. And tickets uh, include uh, what they call a swag bag, lunch, and all the talks. It's really cool. You're going to enjoy it if you go. Bring your son or sons, bring your dad. Either way, and go to menofimmaculata.com, menoftheimmaculata.com. All right, it's 15 after Monday morning, wake-up time. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 13th. Today we celebrate St. Giles Mary of St. Joseph. In 1812... The same year that power-hungry Napoleon Bonaparte led his army into Russia, today's saint ended a humble life of service to the people of Naples and members of his Franciscan community. At the age of 25, Giles joined the so-called Discalced Franciscans in Naples. It was a city known for its depravity and crime, but it was a city that came to know and love the humble friar. For 53 years, he served at St. Paschal's Hospice in Naples, in a series of humble roles, cook, porter, official beggar for his community. Giles also distributed alms to the poor, always managing somehow to meet ever-growing demands. Love God, love God, was a phrase Giles repeatedly uttered as he gathered food for the poor. He was also known for his sensitivity to deeply troubled persons. He constantly reminded people of the need to repent and also gained a reputation for miracles of healing. Popular among the people he met on his begging rounds, he was nicknamed the Consoler of Naples. Giles died in 1812. He was canonized by Pope John Paul II in 1996. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. You're tuning your heart to the truth this morning. I'm Gabby Smith along with Damian Collado. Save the dates for our spring drive time. It's happening for a full week, Monday, March 6th through Friday, March 10th. So looking forward to that. Of course, we'll give you more details as we get closer, but we would love for you to continue to support Catholic community media and, of course, wake up. Ellen Migliorato joins us next. He's a co-author of Failing Forward, Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens Today. And every Monday, he joins us to talk about raising Catholic teens in today's world. Hey, Alan, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, good morning, guys. I can barely hear you. I'm not sure if it's my connection or not, but um, I'm, I'm going to struggle and stay in there with you. Okay. Um, so we're going to do our best here. We might have to get you on the phone again and see if we can connect you uh, once more. But today we're talking about cell phones, technology, and teenagers. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> I have a middle schooler, so we're not quite there. I'm really trying to push it off as much as I can. But a lot of kids in his my son's class have 
cell phones, smartphones, Snapchat, TikTok. I mean, it just, it surprises me. Um, but this is something, how much is too much? How do you ease a child into something as powerful as a cell phone? They have the world at their fingertips and that can be a little intimidating. Oh, sure. It really is. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and how much is too much? That's a great question. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when we think about consuming, right? Like if we think about we're, we're consuming technology like we're consuming food, how much would be too much food? So we're, we're consuming something at all times, but like, are we, are we just on the phone just to be on the phone? Or are we really trying to communicate like what, what's important to communicate? And that's, that's kind of one of those trigger words is what's important to us might not be important to our kids and vice versa. So I think just teaching or trying to teach um, to, to relatively, you know, monitor yourself. And that's the hardest thing I, I think is trying to raise teens to be leaders to really monitor themselves because a lot of parents really don't monitor themselves all that well. I mean, I see families out to dinner and, you know, the parents are sitting across from their kids and they're all on the phone watching movies mm -hmm. and, and there's not even social awareness sometimes anymore where they're just playing like they'll be on speakerphone or they'll be playing a video out loud in a restaurant. And, you know, sometimes you just kind of give them a look and it's like, come on, seriously? You know, like we uh, the other day we were in a restaurant and, and uh, this family was just, they were all playing videos. <laughs> it was wow. like a Perkins. I mean, it wasn't even like a really fancy restaurant. But they were all playing like a different video on their phone at the table next to us. And I was just, you know, I, I just asked the waitress if we could just move. I'm not going to make a scene and embarrass them. But, like, if it came to it, you know, it was kind of like, put, put your phone down for the love of God. Like, eat your food and go home. <laughs> you know, it, and I laugh at stuff like that, but it's kind of sad that when, you know, when we're not aware of it as parents, how can our kids be aware of it? And so it, as, as most of my parenting tips go, we have to monitor and regulate ourselves as parents. We have to walk the walk. We can't just talk the talk. You know, it's like a parent telling their kid, hey, I don't want you to see you smoking cigarettes, and they're lighting up a cigarette right next to them. I mean, mm -hmm. how does that work? You know, it's like, okay, I won't do it. Well, when can I do it, Mom? When I'm as old as you or when I'm 16 or when I'm 18? Like, when's a good time? When did you start? You know, and, and you know, Gab, it's one of those things, too, where, like, years ago when mm -hmm. cell phones were first coming out, I remember my kids were the last one in their class to get a phone. And, I, and they're always like, you know, Dad, I'm the last one in my class to get a phone. I said, well, why do you need a phone? Well, what if I need to call you? you? You mean everybody else in your class has a phone? They say yes. I say, well, then you could ask one of those kids to borrow their phone and call me. But like, why? Like, why would you need to call me every minute of the day? Like, I, I trust you. You know, I know where you're at. I trust you. But now it's almost like it seems as though it's a necessity. It's really not, but it's a seem seems as though it's a necessity. It can be a good thing. It can be a good safeguard for our kids. You know, we can kind of keep a tab on on where they, or at least where their phone is. Not so much where they are, but where their phone is. Um, and, you know, we can, we can teach them, look, you've got five social media accounts. You can have one. You know, maybe you can have a Facebook or you want to connect with your friends on Instagram like, or whatever it is. But then there's, there's so many, you know, I know. And, and then, yeah. so, like, let's say they have five different social media accounts. Most of the teenagers I know have multiple inside each of those. So they have, like, two Instagrams. Mm -hmm. They have a spam account. they got a real account. they got, you know, two different Snapchats. they got two different, you know, and then there's, there's ones that come out daily. There's be real. And I mean, there's just, there's so mm -hmm. many that come out. You just, it's hard to keep track of. So we got to keep not so much like a, a short leash, but teach our kids how to regulate themselves. 
Yeah, when I was in middle school, MySpace was coming out and I was the only one who didn't have a MySpace. So I know exactly how that feels, you know. And so, but whenever I got a Facebook page, I had to add my mom as a friend. Of course, that was like, you know, back in 2008, you know, and she was my first friend on social media and she would look at my profile, my friends and, and, and all of that as well. But still to this day, my dad will, we all track each other as a family, you know, not so much as where are you or anything like that, but you know, it's just to keep tabs on each other and, and we're a close family, but it's so interesting now. Of course, I'm, I'm really doing my best as a mother because it's, it's hard to not go and, and, and start judging, okay, well, why are you have cell phones at the table or anything like that? Or a cell phone as an eight-year-old, you know, I know we live in a different world. I know it's a different world from when even I was a kid. Um, but introducing that is, is powerful. So how do we have that talk with them? Because they have the technology talk at school, or at least they're supposed to be having that. But I think that they should be hearing it from us, Alan. Well, sure. Well, we have to keep an eye on, on what they're doing. Like you can, you can see your behaviors of your kid, and I think it's kind of a natural thing. And I hate to say the word natural because I don't think mm-hmm. spending too much time on your phone is natural. But for teenagers, you know, when they first get a social media account, they're going to be checking out, like trying to get to connect with all their friends and and liking all their posts and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we've got to we've got to watch. Okay, that might that might be the uh, indicative of like the first kind of behaviors when they when they get like a Facebook and I, they really don't even use Facebook anymore but like yeah. um the teenagers will use like an Instagram or, or something like that and you got to watch okay well I noticed that you know the it's been about a week and you know since I let you get this account and I'm I'm concerned you're spending a lot of time on it so I want you to start make, making sure that you're not on there you know more than you know 15 20 minutes a day it it's scary the other day we, at youth group we were talking about cell phones and it, it not we didn't plan on it but it just kind of came up and I just asked the kids you know like okay oh, you on your phone everybody pull your phone out and they of course they all have a phone and they and I said how much because you, you can tell how much time you spent on that on your phone the mm-hmm. I think the least amount of time that any kid in the whole group spent on their phone that day was six hours six hours oh in that gosh. one day I'm like oh, oh my gosh you're kidding me and some kid it was like like 12 hours he was on his phone that day or she was on her phone and I'm like Whoa. that guy's you are just really, you need to pay attention to this. Like nobody tells you to watch how much time you're spending, you know? And they were like, I didn't even realize I spent that much time because you get carried away with it, you know? You, mm-hmm. And then they, cause then they also do their homework, right? They do their homework on their phone. Uh, my daughter applied for, for college when she was applying for colleges. She applied everything on her phone. So like that counts toward the time that they're on their phone as well. But you know, it's, it's their world. It's kind of like when I was growing up watching TV too much was, was something that parents are worried about or my when my parents were growing up is listening to the radio too much or you know it, it's always something it's always some kind of technology that's coming out that we can get you know carried away with and it's so easy it's so easy to get carried away because there's so much out there that's not even useful information it's just useless that we look at it's kind of mind numbing and and we look at oh there's a video for five seconds and here's another video for five seconds and I can't remember the video I watched three videos ago but it was funny and like I really when people show me want to show me videos I I cringe it's you know they call it getting the, it's like ick you know like I don't I don't <laughs> want to watch your video stop showing me your phones talk to me look me in the eye 
So, Alan, wouldn't you say it's an addiction versus just getting carried away with the phone? I mean, you spend that much oh, time sure. with one thing. That's an addiction. So so what's being I'm, done yeah. to curtail that or, or help? Because I guarantee you, you take that phone away from that child for three hours, they'll go crazy. Brother, it's like a drug addict, wrong. you know? Yep, 100%. You're not wrong. And, and there's that's, so what's scary is we kind of saw this coming. Right, and I mentioned this to my kids years and years and years ago. Even my wife, I mentioned this, and it's like they're like, "Oh, we're not going to get addicted to the phone." There's not been enough research done to really prove the addiction at the time. Now there has been. There's been a lot. There's been some mm-hmm. more research done. But what there's not been a whole lot of research done is how to break that addiction. Because right. I mean, if you want to find out, go on your phone and look this website up. I mean, it just it defeats the purpose of you know, helping people break that addiction. So you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing that I can suggest is like limiting the amount of time that your that your kids are on the phone from the very first time they get their phone. And not only you being like the ringleader of that, but kind of teaching them how to self-monitor. Mm-hmm. Because if they're on it too much, like if you're looking down in your hand, you know, the whole day, you're not looking up. Like, so yeah. try to find ways to enjoy the world around us, you know, like go plan mm-hmm. outdoor activities, leave your phone at home, leave it in the other room when you have dinner. You know, um, don't don't be on the phone during during dinner at a, or at a table. When you're sitting across from someone, they are the most important person in your life. It's your family. So pay attention to them and put the phone down. And then maybe limited time. You know, like you've got an hour today, the whole day. You've got an hour. So use it use it wisely. And if you're using it more than that, then you're gonna you're gonna lose your phone. And I want to. And this is like when kids are in middle school or something. You want to start checking their phones. How much time have you spent on your phone today? But Mm -hmm. I I promise you, like, when they're away from you, if you take their phone away, they're on somebody else's phone if they're addicted. So, like, you really can't get away from that sort of addiction. So you've got to learn how to to monitor. Yeah. We can have this conversation over and over again. Alan Migliorato, co-author of Failing Forward, Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens Today. Where can we go to find out more information about you and and what you do? Well, don't go on your phone, but you can go online <laughs> on your computer to uh, Facebook. We can, you can find us at Adventure Catholic or AdventureCatholic.com if you go right to our website. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, Alan, for joining us today. All right, guys. God bless you. Have a great week. All right. Dr. Tina Holland joins us when we return from the break. It's half past the hour on Wake Up. Thirty-five after the hour, twenty-five before the top of the hour, folks. It's Monday. Get up, get after it, and welcome to Wake Up. So glad you're with us, Gabby Smith, Damian Clotto, and now our regular guest, Dr. Tina Holland, president of Franciscan Missionaries of Our Lady University in Baton Rouge, here to give us an update as to what's happening on campus and things in and around the area. Good morning, Dr. Holland. I understand this week is. Phlebotomous uh, week. Yes, it is phlebotomous, and if you can spell it, um, you get the star. Yeah, well, um, yeah, you get you get to pass the yeah. first uh, three credits. <laughs> well, it is phlebotomy week, and I'll tell you, it's um, I you know we have times to celebrate the really um, highly demanded um, fields in in healthcare you know, throughout the year, but um, these are sort of unsung um, uh, heroes in, um, in the field, um, those people who, you know, do take your blood, who work uh, long hours in the lab, and um, in my case, uh, earn their 
um, more than earn their keep if they're able to keep my veins from rolling. Um, we have a phlebotomy program at Fran U that uh, is uh, graduating um, new phlebotomists every year. But what's interesting is many of our students who are in degree programs will go through the phlebotomy program, get their certificate, work as phlebotomists to help um, uh, pay for their, um, their degree program. Hmm. And it also gives them really valuable uh, clinical experience and at the same time meets a, a critical need. Yeah. And, you know, I, I cannot stand the sight of my own blood. Uh, so every time right. I go to do blood work, I have to look the other way and they kind of chuckle at me, you know. Uh, and uh, But normal. I do admire them because they, I don't know, how do you practice not missing the vein and even finding the vein? That is the amazing part right there. Mm -hmm. Right. I can remember, um, you know, when I was an active duty Marine, they used to make us do push-ups mm -hmm. before um, taking our blood. So that our veins would would come out and yeah. you know i would be just doing them doing them, doing them, and, finally, and then my veins would be visible but then they'd roll on them so um when they have to take your blood from your hand that's um oh. not uh very pleasant no no that's a different sting altogether. but not going to stay yeah. on that point but for all those who are uh sticking with it no pun intended we appreciate uh -huh. you oh man <laughs> Uh, thanks for setting me up on that one there. Yeah. All right, Dr. Tina, let's move on. Uh, also, uh, one thing that, that is happening, you have a spring open house coming up in March, and um, yes. that's always a big event. Uh, that's March 25th, and spring open house is really um, quite large. Um, we expect uh, another record attendance, pray for good weather. Um, I really, really encourage anybody that has any interest at all in um, any of our programs at Fran U or who just want to come and, and check out um, the beautiful new campus, um, I encourage you to come to Open House on March 25th. There you go. And uh, anything they have to do, where can what's the website they go to to get a little more info? Well, go to www.franu.edu, and there will be um, links to the um, March Open House all over that page. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Uh, now, there's a uh, gentleman by the name of Ross Castile. He is program director of the nurse anesthesia program over at FranU. He is doing some really uh, cool things, to say the least. I was going to use the word knockout, but I didn't want to have two puns in one yeah. interview. So I'm, I'm holding back, Doc. But uh, tell us a little bit about Ross, because the beauty of the programs at FranU, and, and a lot of people may not be aware of this, is you they're actual, the professors are quite often working in the field, and then they're coming back and teaching the students. So they're getting really true hands-on experience. Yes, yes, we insist on that, that all of our professors have a, what we call a clinical day. Okay. Um, partially, it's because um, in many of the fields, uh, the, the, the salaries for uh, the professionals who are in practice are um, quite a bit higher than what we could afford to pay them as professors. So it helps to um, offset 
the less earnings that one has when they um, decide to come into the classroom. But more importantly, or at least as importantly, is the fact that it keeps the professors uh, current in all of the latest developments in, um, in research-based practice, in um, what is best practice. And, you know, the neat thing about Fran Yu is that, you know, we just talked about phlebotomy. Mm-hmm. Phlebotomy is a entry-level certificate program. It's 11 weeks, right? And then in, you immediately start um, earning, but it's a program upon which one builds to move up in, in the healthcare field. And our programs range from that clear on up to the doctorate nurse practitioner, as well as the doctorate in uh, physical therapy, but from certificate programs through doctoral programs, because we believe so strongly in preparing students for practice at all levels and growing them throughout those levels. You know, you're not done once you've earned a certificate or a degree. If there is potential and desire, then you ought to continue to grow. I, and the, the, um, the DNP program, the Doctorate Nurse Practitioner Nurse Anesthesia Program, is one of those programs where many of our um, earlier uh, graduates were brand new BSN grads who went on to um, become nurse anesthetists. But I will tell you that um, this is one example of all of the programs whereby the professors bring so much wonderful value into the classroom because they themselves are among the best practitioners in the field. That's great. Ross was the he, Ross was the clinical director at the Baton Rouge General when he um, came to be the um, uh, the director of the program here at Fran U, and um, he runs his program with the same sort of precision, um, great relationship-based um, uh, leadership. And, you know, his eye is on the uh, fact that every single one of these students is going to be practicing at one of our facilities, and they're going to have the Fran U stamp. Yeah. And we want to make sure that they are the absolute best in their field. By the way, mm-hmm. those listening, you don't have to have a medical degree to be a phlebotomist, do you? Oh, goodness, no. A phlebotomist? Okay. Yeah, that's what I wanted to make sure people right listening. Of- they don't have to be a nurse to, to study that program. It's, like you said, an 11-week program, and you can make a good living doing that. Yes. Um, it's a great way to get started in um, in the healthcare field. Yeah, in the healthcare field. And, right. uh, you know, wonderful and, and very, very high need. Um, lots and lots of uh, folks are uh, lining up to hire our grads. In fact, we have um, relationships with uh, hiring partners who will, and this is in all of our fields, who will um, actually support the student's um, tuition with the um, understanding that the student will come and work for them. So they have a guaranteed position plus help with their their tuition. Awesome. By the way, we just... um, just signed an MOU with LCMC for our nurse anesthesia program to do just that because they're in such great need of, of nurse anesthetists. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Dr. Tina Holland, as always, thank you for being with us. we got 10 seconds left. 
How soon are we getting to the uh, opening of St. Francis Hall? Oh, wow. We are doing all the moving in now. And from this month, clear through April. So it's opening up this spring. Um, all righty. Really, just the, the next month or so. Um, all of the, it's all the final touches right now. And we're doing some tours. Um, and uh, it's, it's just absolutely, um, like I said, chopping at the bit to, to open up Thank the doors you. to everybody. Thank you so much, Dr. Holland. We're coming back with more on Wake Up. It is 48 past the hour. You're tuning your heart to the truth on Wake Up This Morning. I'm Gabby Smith along with Damian Collado. Our next guest is Claudia McAdam. Claudia is a Catholic author, and today she joins us to talk about her new book called A Miracle for Micah. Claudia, thank you so much for joining us again. Hi, Gabby. So happy to be with you. Absolutely. This book is adorable. I absolutely love this one. Tell our audience a little bit more about your book, A Miracle for Micah. Thank you so much for asking. This is a picture book from Ascension Press, and the storyline is one that a boy named Micah lives in Capernaum at the time of Jesus. And when his mother sends him to the market to buy food, Micah has a different idea. He, he has a better idea, he thinks of what he could do with the money. So he sneaks onto Peter's rooftop and he's going to steal fish instead of going to the market to purchase it. At, at Peter's home, however, he witnesses one miracle after another that doesn't mm. dissuade him from stealing. And when Jesus catches Micah taking the fish, then the boy comes to realize how his sinful actions hurt many, including his younger brother who witnesses this action. And Micah, however, repents and through the bountiful, merciful forgiveness of Jesus, he becomes part of a very special miracle himself. My goodness. Well, it's absolutely beautiful to see, of course, Jesus and the Bible interacting with young children, and it gets us to have that childlike heart, of course. But uh, what was your inspiration behind writing a story like this? You know, a year ago, Ascension Press released my book um, called The Real Presence, which introduced children in a similar fashion to the Eucharist. So it was kids who interfaced with Jesus during his lifetime in Capernaum and then at the Last Supper. And I thought, well, you know what? Young kids, they're preparing for their First Holy Communion. They're preparing to receive the Sacrament of Reconciliation. What kind mm -hmm. of imagined story might I write that introduces kids to reconciliation, but in a way that's entertaining and relatable by them. I mean, it, it invites kids to slip on the sandals of a child just like themselves who may have encountered Jesus in the flesh and to realize that, oh yeah, kids do sin and there is a need for repentance and oh, guess what? Jesus is still present and can forgive our sins and invite us into a deeper relationship with him. So that was the genesis of this story. I absolutely love this. You are also, it seems like you're writing a new book every month. Um, you know, we always have something beautiful and new coming out. And, you know, Lent starts next Wednesday, which is, 
Wow, it just has come so fast. Um, but this is a wonderful way, I think, to get our children, grandchildren, nieces and nephews involved in what Lent is all about um, and help us to understand and have a deeper relationship with our Lord. That's my hope as well. And another book that I have out that came out last year at the start of Lent from Ascension Press is called Louis Lent. And in the same way, it mm-hmm. takes kids into a modern-day story of what they might do during Lent. But yes, we all at this time of year, we, start, we turn our attentions, we should always turn our attention to living a more faithful life and availing ourselves of the sacrament of reconciliation. But, you know, we do that in particular, I think, at Lent. And for kids to be able to, to grab onto that concept in a way that they can understand in a non-threatening, um, enjoyable story, that they can enter into. That's really my desire. This is the way I try to evangelize, especially with kids. That's the type of writing I do. I write for young Mm -hmm. children all the way through young adults. And A Miracle for Micah is just the newest way that I can try to reach out to kids to get them to, to learn and love and live their Catholic faith. I love that. Where can we go to find out more information about this book and purchase our own copy? You can go to ascensionpress.com slash Micah, spelled M-I-C-A-H, or visit your St. Mary's Books and Gifts, your local Catholic bookstore. They can order Mm -hmm. it for you if they don't have it. Or visit me at Claudia McAdam, that's M-C-A-D-A-M dot com, and you can see a book trailer there. You can get a little peek inside the book before you even decide if you want it or not. So um, any of those things are are good first step. Claudia, before we go, this is Damian. Good morning to you. Any real-life experiences in your writings of your books? You mean that that have inspired me or that I... That that are incorporated in some of your writing. You may not share the real names or anything, but any real-life experiences that uh, get to you to writing those books, yeah, right, inspired right. you, I guess, to some degree, but in a way also kind of like, hey, this was really true, but not totally. Yeah, good, great question, Damien. You know, I had the great honor of doing a pilgrimage many years ago to the Holy Land, and my favorite stop of all was in Capernaum, mm, because wow. the, the ruins of the synagogue where Jesus gave the bread of life discourse. Those ruins are there. Um, The ruins of Peter's home, where he healed his mother-in-law, where he healed the man, the paralytic, who was let down through the the roof. Those ruins are still there in a beautiful Catholic church with a glass floor Mm. is built above those ruins where you can look down into what was Peter's home. So I've always loved that location. I've loved those miracles. And this, I thought this is a great way for me to incorporate my love for scripture, my love for the physical uh, presence of the Holy Land into a story that, that takes place there in Capernaum that is directed to kids. So, yep, that very, very much so I was inspired by my visit there. Nice. That's absolutely amazing. And, you know, uh, I keep thinking about The Chosen. I'm always giving this show a plug because it has absolutely just made such an impact on myself and my family. We're all into it. My child involved would just absolutely love The Chosen. You were an extra in one of the episodes on The Chosen (laughs) real quick, Claudia. Tell us a little bit about it. We have about a minute and a half. Okay, great. Thanks, Gabby. I love The Chosen, too. Our family loves it. What a beautiful way to learn more about Jesus. And, you know, our faith Mm -hmm. is is not just about rules. It's about relationship. And The Chosen really takes people 
into the relationship with Jesus? And how did he interface with his apostles and other disciples? And what did the miracles he did look like? And I, when I had the opportunity to be an extra, it was last June, I, my husband and I took our two oldest grandchildren, and we were part of the feeding of the 5,000. So we're we're little dots on the screen. You'll never be able to pick us out, but that's not important. And our our episode aired just just this past week, the feeding of the 5,000. But it was a great experience that extras came from all 50 states and 36 foreign countries. There were almost 12,000 people there. They split us up into several different shooting sessions. We were on the field for about six, six and a half hours one day shooting our scene. But to, to be a part of it, you can almost envision what it was like for the people who were really there. To, what they went through, it was boiling hot and long days, and the sun was just beating on us. And, you know, we had snacks we could munch on and stick <laughs> underneath our blankets when, when the camera was rolling. Those people didn't. So it really helped us draw a little bit closer, I think, to that particular mm-hmm. miracle and the ministry of Jesus overall. Most definitely. Claudia McAdam, Catholic author. And today we talked about her book, A Miracle for Micah. Check her website out at ClaudiaMcAdam.com. Claudia, thank you so much for being with us today. Gabby, Damien, thank you guys. Blessings to you both. And I wish you both a fruitful Lent upcoming. Absolutely. You as well. My goodness. I love talking to Claudia. She always has some wonderful things to say and always a new book. Yeah, and always positive. Yes. Hey, I'm just, yeah, you get the press. Hey, we ought to give out our phone number. Just call Claudia and let her talk to you for a couple minutes. You'll be fine. Yes. And she think, no, we probably shouldn't do that. But we should pray, as she said, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Here's a prayer to St. Joseph. Hail, guardian of the Redeemer, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to you God entrusted his only Son. In you Mary placed her trust, and you Christ became man. Blessed Joseph, to us too, show yourself a father and guide us in the path of life. Obtain for us grace, mercy, and courage, and defend us from every evil. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Have a wonderful Monday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.